Hello, 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 and welcome to Navigating Preteen Ministry. My name is Sam Beam, and I am super excited that you guys are here and listening today. You found yourself on a full episode, so this one's going to be longer in depth, um, and hopefully still just as practical for you to take away and apply into your own ministry. Uh, like I said, I'll be going through some of my notes that I took um, at Watermark and the things that I learned and hopefully can help you guys out as well. Um, so today's shout out is going to continue to be Watermark Church Leadership Podcast because I want to make sure everyone that knows can know because their church leadership podcast is truly amazing and truly has shaped and developed the way that I lead in my ministry. So I figured since we're still talking about that, might as well shout it out some more. Um, so today I wanted to talk about a talk that we got from Sean Hill. Sean is the, um, he's like, uh, the the big man over the kids ministry. I don't remember his exact title, but the big bully over kids ministry. He helps oversee all of those, um, and uh, does a lot of that. And his uh, his topic was this should be easy. Um, he comes from a youth ministry background, and he you know logically thought stepping down, you know, it's just going to be a little bit easier. Uh, we all know that that's uh, laughable uh, because we're all in kids' ministry to some level. I mean, we know that kids' ministry, um, you know, I, I have my own opinions, but I would say harder than than most other ministries um, in, in several different areas. And, you know, everyone comes with their own challenges. I don't want to downplay any of those, but kids' ministry has a lot, <clears throat> and it's a lot to handle wearing so many hats, doing so many things. So his title was, This Should Be Easy. Um, and he and he gave a lot of um, parallel ideas, the things he thought and then the realities he learned. And I wanted to just talk about some of those today and how we can apply them into our own ministry um, and our own leadership style. Uh, I just I remember clearly I am uh, now going into my third year in June, uh, will be like my second year as a full-time preteen pastor, which is just crazy. To me, uh, going into my third year, it just feels like it's flown by. But just looking back at the maturity from uh, day one to now, it's it's crazy the difference it makes. And there's still so much to learn. And so hopefully we can glean some things off of Sean Hill. Um, and hopefully I can bring some more in into that as well. Um, but he, he, like I said, he gave some parallels, some of the ideas that he um, initially thought um, and then the realities that followed. And so um, the first thing that he uh, really dove into uh, was principles versus preferences, right? Um, the complexity between those. Um, and the main takeaway for me was that uh, we need to be firm in our principles, but flexible in our preferences. He talked about having, you know, his main idea for what he thought would happen, Um and then that ultimately not happening. And I think in kids' ministry especially, that is one of the biggest things for me is my expectations uh, and my preferences on what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Um, I, I I would say that I struggle with being over-controlling in my ministry, right? I see what I want my ministry to look like. I see how I want things to happen. And people don't do things the exact same way that I do. Shocker, I know. Uh, it's crazy. I, it, everything would be so easy if they did, but they don't. And so um, there's times where I'm like, oh, I would have said that differently. Or like, oh, I wouldn't have done the example like that. But the reality is uh, we need to be firm on our principles, but flexible with our preferences. So what that means is that uh, our core values, uh, this Monday I talked about our core values and how important they are. Those are not flexible. But how someone presents those core valuables can be, right? If we talk about 
building a deeper faith, someone might think the the first principle there, the important thing is that they need to read the Bible. And someone else might say pray. And someone else might say spend time in community. And all of those are part of it. Um, and so that is just their preferences um, on how we can build our faith. But that does not take away from the p- principle that we need to build our faith. So we can be flexible in preferences, but firm in our principles when it comes to leading in kids' ministry, especially because kids are chaotic and just dealing with them and how it happens. We cannot let um, our preferences dictate the ministry. The next thing that he really talks about is trust. Um, and initially he thought that trust came from your track record and reputation, uh, but he learned in the ministry that trust comes from time. Um, and I think this is a principle we all hear a lot, but it's something that we constantly need to be reminded of is that trust is not something that is automatically earned, right? Um, I think the saying is like trust can be gained by drips and lost in gallons. Um, So how we gain trust is slow and steady and intimate, right? I'm not going to gain trust with my leaders if they see me once a week. And that is it. They're going to gain trust when I spend time with them, when they see me going out of my way, when they see me being willing to uh, break down walls and barriers myself, right? Trust is gained by spending time um, and talking with people right? Knowing what they walked through. When I meet with a volunteer that I haven't really met with or don't know well, I love to ask them their story. And usually I get, oh, mm, oh, what? Because, you know, not everyone's ready to just divulge their whole story. Um, And so, you know, give them time for that. But um, that is one of my favorite things to do because I get to know them so well. I get to see, oh, that's why you do this. That's why you do that. That's why you do things in your way. And I'm able to build that trust. So talk with the people, get to know their story. The next real takeaway I have is um, that excellence isn't one size fits all. I really loved that. Um, Basically, what he's saying is that success will look different, right? In your ministry, success will look different for different people um, in different events and different times, okay? In your kid's ministry, success will look different for you um, than another church. Don't compare yourself to another church, right? I have the, you know, I go to Watermark and I see their kid's ministry and how well it flows and functions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But success looks different for me than it looks for Watermark. Success looks different for you than it looks like for my ministry or the ministries around you in the surrounding area. Success for you is defined by your core values, right? It's defined by what you live by. It's defined by what you claim as truth and absolute in your ministry. Um, And so it could look completely different. Success for a 120-person church is different than a success for a 120,000-person church. So don't define your success by other people. Um, Are your students knowing the Lord? Are you doing that well? That is success in your ministry. For your volunteers, success looks different, right? Um, For some of my volunteers, success looks like um, them growing and developing, running a service, um, taking control when I'm out of town, uh, being over everything. And sometimes success looks like a uh, young student volunteer coming to the front during worship to lead by example. And that is it. Um, So success looks totally different in different people. Do not compare everyone's success and don't compare your success to other people's either. Remember that your success will look different. Um, Two more to dive into. um, And one of these last two are definitely my favorite. Um, The first 
is that we cannot focus on doing everything as ministers, but we need to focus on doing all that only we can do. So we cannot do everything, right? Uh, I said at the beginning, we wear so many hats as pastors, especially kids pastors. And I talk about this a lot. Um, but this morning I was doing curriculum. And not only am I an editor, um, but I also uh, have to be extremely creative in creating object lessons for uh, my lessons. And then on top of that, I've got to be a, an artist, um, which I, I'm not. I promise you guys. So, yeah. Um, but I have to be an artist. I've also got to be a counselor. Um, I've got to be an administrator. Uh, I've got to be a reference checker. I've got to be a recruiter. I've got to be a teacher. I've got to be a husband. I've got to be a, uh, you know, what you know, and I can list forever. But what can only I do? In my context, uh, you know, we are a slightly larger than average church. I say slightly. We're a larger than average church. Uh, which means uh, for me, uh, I cannot, uh, you know, build a relationship with every student. I can't teach every lesson and lead every worship song and, and all of that. That is not something I can do. Um, but what is only I can do? Well, only I'm the one that preps and, and creates the curriculum. So only I can do that. So if I'm uh, using my time uh, on things that uh, other people can do, and not the things that only I can do, and I'm taking away from the things that only I can do, and I'm subtracting from that, right? And you know, there's areas in our ministry that only we can lead, and so we have to make sure that areas that others can lead, they take it so that we can put our most into the areas that only we can do. When we, uh, you know, when we uh, delegate our tasks and, and uh, allow others to lead, we are opening up space in our own lives to do more of what only we can do and to do it better. So what is the thing that only you can do? And what are things that can be passed to others? Um, and, and when we do this, one of the subnotes that I got is that we need to be intentional when we're passing this along. Um, and this is something that really convicted me, is he said delegation without intention can lead to detachment. Meaning if I'm delegating a task to somebody and I'm not intentional with it, uh, then I am just detaching myself from it um, and honestly detaching them from it, right? If I say, hey, I need you to, um, you know, uh, help lead a service every week and I just leave them there and I'm not correcting and, and I'm not growing and I'm not being intentional with them, then I've simply just created a manager position for somebody to fill um, and they will uh, also detach from that. They will detach from the role. And honestly, it will not be a long-lasting role. I've done this many, many times. I say from experience, I've tried things like this before and have not been intentional with them and they have failed. But the areas that I have delegated and been intentional with, they succeed greatly. So make sure that you, when you are delegating, when you are giving things that others can do, that you're also intentional with it. And last but not least, and this is my favorite, um, it says that the Lord working through weakness is better than the Lord working through strength. Guys, when we think about every single thing, uh, every single story in the Bible, the Lord is never using the strongest person, right? Israel itself was never the strongest nation. Anytime they went to battle without, um, you know, the Lord on their side, they lost. 
They didn't, like, they never won without the Lord. Um, you think of David and Goliath. You think of people like Joseph, the one of the youngest brothers in the family. You think of people like Mary. Um, and you think about Jesus himself, who was just a carpenter, right? Jesus works through weakness in people. He does not work through strength. And how much glory can we give to the Lord when he works through our weakness than when he works through our strength? When we can say that we are terrible in this area, but even though we are terrible, God is still good and provides, right? I am terrible at recruiting people into my ministry, but even through that, God still provides. I'm terrible um, at the administrative aspects of my uh, thing, but God still provides, right? He sends workers to help me. He, he gives me people that I can delegate these tasks to and hold me accountable to doing them. Um, and even in our weakest areas, God will provide and grow. And when we work out of the weakness, it is so much better in God honoring and God glorifying than we can work out of our strengths. So do not see your weaknesses as weaknesses, but see them as opportunities for God to work through you. Um, And last, he kind of closed with this line um, that we need to run after the vision of being ordinary leaders, but ordinary leaders who have Jesus. We're not trying to be the next super mega pastor leader. We're not trying to lead the best preteen or kids ministry around. We're not trying to have the best volunteers. We are just trying to be ordinary people who lead with the heart of Jesus. So that's what I've got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, And thank you for uh, just being here. I appreciate you guys. Um, And thank you for listening. Uh, That is all I've got for you guys today. I'm going to see y'all next week with a nugget and another full episode. Till then, peace.